This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me. you got our Maryland preview, kind of our first preview where we're really digging into the the nitty-gritty to see what the keys are for Michigan to win. Michigan's still favored by 17, but they were favored by like an average of 44 in the first three games. So this is a slightly different. In the first half of this episode, we'll be looking at, at what the keys are for, for Michigan's offense. In the second half, we'll be looking at what the keys are on the defensive side of things. We'll offer our final predictions at the end of the episode. By the way, if you like what you hear here or want to know more about the Michigan-Maryland matchup we have tons of preview content over at the michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com we also have another podcast alejandro talked to one of 247's maryland beat writers got the got the terrapins perspective of things so uh, we should have all your bases covered heading into this matchup so steve michigan's offense to put it simply should have success against maryland's defense i i think maryland they're three and oh they, you know, they beat a good SMU team. I think that SMU team is, it, it's essentially a power five win. It's not, I know they're in the AAC, but, but they seem like they're going to be a quality team this year. Maryland, as good as they are though, not very good at defense still. They gave up 580 yards to SMU. They gave up uh, 388 yards to Charlotte and Charlotte is kind of in that Yukon Hawaii territory where they are just not a good football team this season. So uh, certainly room to improve on the defense. I do think it's an improved defense from last season, but not much of a pass rush, pretty susceptible in, in coverage. And then the big thing for me is they can't get off the field. They have the same problem Michigan State's defense had last season. I think Michigan State had a, I mean, obviously their defense was eventually exposed, but I think that they had a serviceable defense, but they just couldn't get off the field. They would give up those long second down plays, those third down plays. SMU ran, I've never seen this high of a number, 96 plays against Maryland last week. So for me, the biggest key for Michigan's offense, there's plenty of things that they can do well. But for me, it's don't step on your own feet or shoot yourself in the foot, whatever analogy you want to use. Because if you can sustain drives, you're going to score. As long as you don't, throw a pick or fumble or I don't know, make a, make, you know, make an errant play, do the wrong assignment, run the wrong route. I mean, as long as you can avoid those kind of plays, this Maryland defense, it's not going to get in JJ McCarthy's face. It's not a sack producing defense very much. Uh, I think their coverage it's up and down. I would say more down than up, you know, against, against big 10 teams. So there's going to be open receivers and it hasn't been super tested in the, in run defense yet, but but I feel like Michigan will be able to run the ball effectively. I'm not super concerned about Michigan's ability to score as long as they can sustain drives. So for me, it's avoid the dumb mistakes, avoid the mental mistakes. Michigan's been pretty good at it so far, but obviously there'll be 
a little bit more pressure, a little bit more athleticism on the other side of the ball. But ultimately, I think if they can avoid a mis- you know, I mean, think about last season when Michigan was had the football in its hands, it was effective against Michigan State. The issue was a couple turnovers, a couple really costly mistakes, couple couple plays that you just you you wish you could take back. So I think if they can avoid mistakes on offense, I think they'll be effective. Steve, what's your biggest key for Michigan's offense this week? Yeah, I think getting the running game going <clears throat> across the board, I think would be something, you know, I think we'd like to see Michigan do that against a, a more quality opponent. Uh, as you said, I think it's a great way to beat this Maryland team. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, getting Corum, getting Edwards, if he's back, it kind of feels like he's going to be back this week. I know that they don't explicitly ever really say, uh, but it feels more optimistic. But yeah, I, th- I think just running the football, kind of, kind of maybe adopting the blueprint Michigan used last year, just in winning games, not against Maryland specifically. They could pretty much do whatever they wanted against Maryland last year. But, but I think coming out with a multifaceted rushing attack, I think would be something that Michigan can use to win this game, and something I think that would benefit them uh, going forward for the rest of the season. So uh, that's the, that's the direction I'm going to go. It, it, it is interesting because I think Michigan's rushing attack is almost being undersold in, in conversations with Michigan fans that I've had, or, or what I've read nationally is just because the numbers aren't that high, but you know, Yukon, Colorado state, Hawaii, those are not games where you break out the fine China. I think can't remember who wrote it that way. You don't want to. You don't want to have Blake Corum carrying the ball twenty-five times in those games because you want him for the stretch run of the season. No matter what, I mean, the more carries you take as a running back, the more you're getting beat up uh, on the football field. So, you know, Blake Corum. I know he scored five touchdowns last week, but in terms of trying to get him 150 yards or trying to get him 25 carries, maybe this is a game where they certainly you don't want to be predictable. Because I do think Maryland has the athleticism. If they stack the box, they'll be able to stop the run better than last season. But yeah, mix in. I think I think get Corum. If Edwards is back, get him involved. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think this is a game where AJ Henning could once again have success. You know, I think getting getting some high percentage passes just to keep your drive going, I think can be really valuable. All right, let's take a look at some of these over unders. Uh, I like this one, JJ McCarthy. 289.5 passing plus rushing yards. So I think I'm going to take the over because I do think he'll be able to pass a lot. But I think the the question I'm curious about is, Steve, with, with Cade McNamara out, with a game against Iowa coming next week, what's what's the approach when it comes to J.J. McCarthy running the ball? Are you You don't want to tell him don't do anything or don't get hurt or anything, but at the same time, you also don't want him to get hurt because, because you know, even even as experienced as Alan Bowman or, or as good as Davis Warren is, you definitely want JJ McCarthy full strength for that Iowa game. So, not just the over under, but but what would you what would your approach be to JJ McCarthy? And then not just with him running the ball, but if Michigan gets a twenty point lead, is this a scenario where you pull him and? And you maybe take a little bit of a hit in the final scoring margin, but ultimately win and move on to next week healthy. Is that is that a concern that you have? As far as running the football, I think I I don't know. That's it's a good question. You know, McNamara's injury not not great. 
for Michigan, really. Uh, just I for think that it sim- got really overlooked big time because for the that sim- happened, for the yeah. simple fact, like you said, you know, McCarthy adds that running element to the game, and if he's if he is going to get injured, it probably is going to be running the football. You know, he's not jacked physically. He's he's still a little. I don't want to say undersized, but he's not, you know, he's not a guy that's going to, he's not Cam Newton out there running the football, you know? So, I mean, he, he's susceptible to, you know, potentially getting, getting hit pretty hard or, you know, it, it's just, I guess it comes down to how much, you know, there's gotta be a trust factor there between the staff and, and, and the quarterback, you know, where they, they, they probably want to be able to run whatever they want to do. And for as long as they want to do it, but, you know, I think maybe even Harbaugh mentioned a couple games ago about McCarthy needing to get down a little bit earlier and and not absorb so much contact or whatever. So I got to think that they they're at a, they're at a higher level of that now, where it's like you really can't absorb any contact. You got to go down at the first sign of of something like that. So as far as the big lead stuff. I think, I mean, to me, that, that just depends on how well they think they're executing. You know, I, I think if, I think there's a, there's a scenario where Michigan might be up by 20, but maybe the offense isn't quite clicking to the level the staff wants them to. And and I think that in that, if that's the case with Iowa next week, with a tougher test and their first real road game, you know, I think maybe you'd, you'd keep your guys in. I mean, I want to say the starters played a lot longer last week than I think we thought they were going to. So I they did. I, I will say, though, because I saw this come up on our board. Part of it was in that second quarter. They didn't actually run a lot of plays True. because of the punt block. They were so close to the end zone because of the punt return. Well, there you go. Of, what right? was the third? There was a third time where they had a short drive. They had a lot of short fields. Um, so that that they wanted. I think they were looking at it like a pitch count. And they just happen to get through a couple innings on like four or five pitches. But good, but I agree, anal- they were playing analogy. in the second half. Right? Good. I thought yeah, that was no, pretty- that was great. That's a great <laughs> great analogy. Complete game, 71 pitches. So that to me, I think it's maybe I mean, I think what I said is sort of along those lines, uh, but maybe more so just if they're not, you know, if things aren't if things aren't clicking the way they want them to, then maybe they'd keep them out there a little bit longer. Um, you know, it it also could matter. Maybe McCarthy takes a couple hits early, you know, and it doesn't get hurt, but just takes a couple hits. Then, you know, maybe I then it maybe Grant puts a little more pressure on them to go a different direction a little bit earlier. So could be, yeah, very well possibly that a situation that we're going to see on Saturdays. Like, you know, if because I anticipate Michigan will have a decent lead at some point in this game. So uh, it will be interesting to see how they handle it. And, and yeah, how, how Michigan does utilize McCarthy in the running game, you know, maybe they shy away from it a little bit. Maybe they, you know, cause I, I feel like you, I assume you agree. I mean, I think they can win this game without, without using it, him in the yeah. running game that much. Right. I mean, that you'd hope so, you know, with that in mind, maybe they shy away from it a little bit more, focus more on throwing the ball, running the ball with Corum and Edwards and, and, and Stokes and, and going from there with it. Does he get to two ninety? Total yards. Sorry, I'll say yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Next one. Oh, let's talk about the red zone. Michigan averages 5.7 points per red zone possession. That's the over under being set. I think this is quietly somewhere where Michigan 
has room to improve. You know, as, as good as their start has been, I want to say they have four red zone field goals. If it's not four, it's three. But you did start to see a little bit of progress. Obviously, Blake Corum produced, I think, five touchdowns last week if you're keeping score from the red zone. So I think they showed a little bit more short yardage. And then I, I still really like that Alex Orgy play or that 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 um, play set, I suppose, where the read option, but also with his rushing ability. And, and he's a big dude. You know, you talk about a Cam Newton type. Um, he's not Cam Newton as a quarterback yet, but he's 235 pounds. So do they get to 5.7 points per red zone possession? That's basically asking, do they score every time or do they score every time and score more touchdowns than field goals? I'll, I'll take the bait and say, yes, I, I think Michigan, I mean, M- Maryland's defensive front is experienced. They're bigger. I think they'll stop those short yardage runs a little bit more, but I just, I don't think this is a defense that unstoppable in the red. So, you know, like I, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to stop the run and the pass at the same time. So I think as long as Michigan is calling aggressive plays, I think that they'll be able to exceed that number. Steve, your thoughts on, on the red zone production as well as that over under. I think over as well. I just, you know, everyone's been, again, we talked about this a little bit last week, been waiting for the offensive line to sort of have a dominant performance. I think this is one where they're capable of, of getting there, you know? So yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's a situation where, you know, it's going to be tough for Maryland to pick their poison. Uh, this is the one area where McCarthy's legs can really give defenses problems. So whether it be escaping the pocket and making a throw on the run or design run play or, or however. So I'm going to go with the over as well. All right. Last one of these offensive over-unders, which by the way, we do 10 of them each week. Now they're provided to us uh, by our good friend, Neil, who's via Zool 97 on our message board. Uh, he he just comes up with them. They're not they're not real prop bets you can bet on, but uh, it's it's a fun way to preview the preview the game. So we have that on our site usually on Fridays now. But last one for this podcast: Blake Corum, one hundred twenty nine point five rushing plus receiving yards. Corum has been extremely efficient so far this season, but he has not put up like the crazy like two hundred yard games that maybe he had in the past, which makes sense because one, they were winning by a ton. You know, how long are you really going to keep Corum in there too? You know, I, I imagine they're kind of saving him, so to speak for big 10 play. This is his home state team. This is maybe his first, you know, Michigan's first time where they really need the offense to score points. Not that they didn't need the offense before, but, in terms of the first first half, they're really trying to push push the ball down the field. Does he get to 130 yards? I'm going to say yes. I think that this is a welcome back to the. I mean, I, I say that he scored five touchdowns last week, but in terms of you know the big yards, trying to win, but maybe winning Big Ten Player of the Week, I think this is a welcome back to the national spotlight moment for Blake Corum. I think he gets over 130 yards rushing and receiving. Steve, what do you think? I agree. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't play against Maryland last year. Did he did he? not. He was, yeah, that he was, was one of the games he sat out, right? So maybe a little extra 
in that regard. I always wonder how much guys like, like take, like how big of a deal that is. Um, even, whether it is or isn't, I agree. I think he sort of sets the tone. He might be the guy that sets the tone for Michigan in this game. So I, I'm going to go with the over. Uh, I'm going to go on. And I'm just, this doesn't count as part of the, I, I do think he makes a big play in the passing game, whether it's on a screen or I think he just does something with a pass. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the over. Uh, Cause I agree. I think he has a pretty big game. Yeah. He did not play last season. That's the game where Donovan Edwards had 170 receiving yards. So I imagine they'll be on guard for receiving plays by the running backs, but as last season showed, that's not necessarily something that they're going to stop. So going to be, going to be interesting. And, and I think, Michigan, you know, in terms of what they will be most excited about, I think if Blake Corum comes out, is making big plays, breaking tackles, dominant early, I think that will put take so much pressure off of Michigan on on both sides of the ball, really to to just just play football. Because I think I don't think Michigan's going to be nervous for this game, but I do think it it is unfortunate for Michigan that its non conference schedule was so bad that they're kind of going into this with at least some sense of uncertainty in terms of knowing, you know, who, you know, all these run stops, are they actually going to work against, against Maryland? Is this pass rush going to be effective is, you know, the coverage stats. I mean, it's, I think, I think if Michigan could redo its schedule, I think it would have loved to played a group of five team that isn't outside the top 120 because all three of Michigan's opponents are, you know, I think they'd love to play like an Eastern Michigan type. You know, just to just something a little closer to what Maryland is, uh, and I think I think Blake Corum is someone that can really take the pressure off if he has, especially early but overall success against his home state team. All right, we're gonna hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll take a look at the defensive side of things. It's gonna be gonna be an interesting test on that side of the ball. You're listening to the Wolverine Twenty Four Seven Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I, I think you and I are both pretty confident that Michigan's going to score a requisite amount of points on offense. Defense, I do think this is a little bit of a wild card. This is probably one of Michigan's tougher defensive tests of the season. You certainly Ohio State and Penn State are going to be near the top of that list. I, I imagine Michigan State, if they're if they're healthier in the receiver at the receiver position as they continue to develop, they'll be a pretty formidable test. Maryland might be the next right in that group, though. Running through Michigan's schedule, I don't think there's another offense that that has the playmakers that Maryland does. They they return 
all five starting offensive linemen, which is big. They have Talia Tagovailoa. He is probably an NFL caliber quarterback. I think it's it'll be. I think this year is kind of a proving season for him. But in terms of his traits, he's been great under pressure so far. Great on the deep ball. Also really effective in the screen game. And that's where Raheem Jarrett, Dante Demas, uh, Sean Johnson, Copeland. I mean, these are all guys who probably could be drafted by the time they leave college. Uh, it's it's a very good receiving core. And then I think I think the run game has been efficient this season. I think they're averaging over 7.4 sack adjusted yards per carry. So it feels like a pretty good offense. Steve, I'll let you go first. What is the biggest key for Michigan's defense in this game? I think it's pretty simple. I think it's <clears throat> forced Tagovailoa into making some mistakes. Uh, he's, I mean, I haven't watched him in depth. I'm assuming he's better than he was just a guy that's probably improved like most guys do throughout their career. And he's got a lot of weapons around him, but I also know he's a guy that always kind of periodically seems to kind of make one of those head scratching type moves or passes or throws or whatever. So I think you got to, I mean, they've run the ball really well to begin the year. And and that Hemby kid is definitely brings a different issue to the, to the light for Michigan defenses. His speed is, amazing at, at running back but I think it starts stops and starts with with, with stopping uh tag of a low for sure so you know I think you get you get to him and I think everything else kind of falls in place for Michigan defensively yeah I, I think it does and and I mean he has an NFL arm I think he has a lot of traits that are NFL caliber but he is in college partly because of those still in college I should say partly because of those mistakes that he's made uh, and, and you're right. It's not every play, but there are like, it, it almost reminds me of like a Penn state quarterback, you know, where they're good. They put up great numbers, but then there's like that random play or two per game where you just don't know exactly what they were doing. And they might not even know exactly what they were doing. So, um, I think that's a, that's a good one. I think for me, I think it's about the secondary containing what the receivers can do, because I think Maryland, a lot of where their crazy passing numbers come from is yards after the catch. I, I think in the past couple of weeks, I mean, they, they're putting up more than half of their receiving yards have been after the catch. They have, some deep, they have some deep ball passing ability, but my guess is that Maryland understands that its best bet is probably screen passes, spreading the ball out, maybe, you know, stuff zero to five to 10 yards downfield instead of trying to wait for a big play to develop, even with Michigan's pass rush struggling, it's still effective and still capable if you give it enough time. So that would be my guess. And with that, I don't think Michigan has to like have five pass breakups or two interceptions, just like I don't think they need to have a lot of sacks. I don't think this is a game where, where that's necessarily a, a top priority, but I do think... Michigan cannot lose position because if, if, you know, Rakeem Jarrett catches the ball, he's a slot receiver, a lot of short passes and Mike Sainer still three steps behind him. That's going to be a Maryland touchdown. And so I think, you know, being in position is maybe more important than getting the pick or getting, you know, your hand on the ball. The top priority needs to be it's almost, it's almost like a mini Ohio state game plan from last year where Ohio State 
completed a lot of passes, but Michigan, they just made sure that they were in position to make the tackle every time. And so I think that's, that's a big priority, especially the guys over the middle of the field. I'm not super concerned about Jamon Green and DJ Turner. I think they've, they've shown to me that they're very good boundary corners. You know, they're going to do their job. I think it's more Mike Sainra still, you know, the safeties, Makari Page, Rod Moore, RJ Moten, the linebackers too. I have to think if Maryland's doing his homework, it's going to try to get the linebacker. Well, um, they have, they have decent tight end play as well. And obviously the running backs can, they can scoop for sure. To me, I think the big thing is just be right, be in, never lose position in coverage. All right. Taking a look at a couple of these over unders. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's talk about that pass rush. 1.5 sacks, not from the defensive tackles in the edge. So Steve, there's a couple storylines with the pass rush. I think the, the, the bad news for Michigan fans is uh, looks like that Colorado state game might have been a little bit of fool's gold. Colorado state, not only are they last in the country in sacks allowed per game, they've allowed eight more sacks than anyone else in the country this season. So those six sacks Michigan had against the Rams, kind of wondering if that was, you know, maybe just opponent dependent. And since then, Michigan hasn't has only has what three sacks, four sacks. So definitely an area to improve and probably and Maryland quietly held Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajaba without a sack last season. So going to be an interesting element of pass rush. I, I wouldn't necessarily expect a huge game from the defensive line, but the good news for Michigan fans is it does seem like Mike Sane were still Michael Barrett, uh, a couple, a couple of the other linebackers and safeties are very adept at finding a good pass rushing lane and landing, you know, getting the quarterback or getting, you know, putting, quarterbacks off schedule so I think that's something that Michigan can do to really help itself out in this game Uh, they'll be spread out a little bit more because Maryland's going to be able to make every throw but when Michael Barrett has an opportunity to to generate pressure or Mike Sainer still does or some of the some of the other Makari Page I think is another guy who could really be capable in that regard I think that's that's an opportunity I'm going to take the under on the sacks but Steve, 1.5 sacks, not from the defensive tackles and the edge players. Sorry, dude. I got to agree with you again. So I'm going to say under. <clears throat> I think one thing I think Maryland is likely to do to kind of keep Michigan's second level off balance. I realized I just checked it out. I thought I was I was right. Uh, their leading receiver from a reception standpoint is at tight end. They have a second tight end who's the fourth leading receiver on the team. And then Hemby has seven or eight catches through three games. So they have other guys besides Jarrett, uh, Jacob Copeland, former four-star, I think was at Florida, transferred up. Yep. I think I called him Andrew Copeland a moment ago. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. I just, um, you know, just a name that jumped out to me. So they have other, they have guys that can, that are going to force the linebackers to, to think not just like Hemby from a rushing standpoint, obviously, but, but also from a receiving standpoint. So, you know, I'm, it'll be really interesting to see if, if Minter goes not conservative, but, you know, plays off a little bit more and, rel- and basically challenges that front four to make some plays in the pass rush, or if he does go a little aggressive, 
see if Maryland's capable of, of being up to the task. But either way, I, I would actually lean that that they might rely on their front four a little bit more. So I'm going to say uh, that's why I'm going with under in this one. Yep. Okay, next one. Maryland's leading receiver gets 99.5 yards. And for me, when, when, I, you know, when a Michigan opponent gets 100 receiving yards, I think that's it's very rarely like 10 receptions, 110 yards. It's usually like one play gets broken for 60, and then maybe they get a little bit more. I think I, – I, I assume – I don't know if the numbers – back me up on that but that seems to be what it's been over the last few years so I'm gonna take the under I don't think I don't you know I think they have a lot of pass catching options I do think their overall passing total will be high I suspect Michigan will be on guard though maybe more so than Maryland's first three opponents and we'll be able to take away some of those like big like think about like a 65 yard screen play or whatever so I'm going to take the under Maryland's leading receiver gets 99.5 yards. They have, they have some guys who are capable of it. Uh, Steve, what's your take on this over under? I'll say under, I just think Michigan's too good on the outside to allow that to happen. And yeah, I agree. If, if, if it does happen, it will be, you know, a broken coverage for like a 65 yard touchdown for a guy like Jarrett, something like that. So, um, but nobody like nobody on their roster is averaging really that close to 99 and a half yards so far this season. So uh, just not one, it's one of those stats. I just, I don't think Michigan will be the first school to yield, you know, that big of a game to a, to a single player at receiver. And like I said, going back to the last over under talking about the, the tight ends and backers, I think one of Maryland's strengths is it feels like they have a lot of different guys they can spread the ball around to. So, you know, not sure with Michigan at with their top two corners, if, if they really have a guy that they're going to feed as much as we might see them try to spread the ball around to keep Michigan off balance. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Last one, 4.5 trips to the red zone allowed. So does Maryland get to the red zone five times or more in this game? Steve, what do you think? Uh, I think they do. I, I think it, I do think this, it's partially a product of Michigan, maybe comfortably winning this game. And uh, maybe a couple fourth quarter red zone trips get them there. Uh, again, I think this is really the big question of the game is, is you know, Maryland is, I don't know where we'd put them. Where would we put them? One of the three or four best offenses they're probably going to face the rest of the year? Strictly yeah, I offenses, think I, right? I have them in the top four. I think it's right? a matter of Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland. Credit to Maryland and Mike Loxley for building such a good offense that, you know, they're in that conversation, but yeah, absolutely. You know? And so I think that, you know, that I think that's really what dictates this game is, is we'll find out in a lot of ways how legitimate Michigan's defensive start has been. So I think Maryland has some success just because this is a step up in competition um, but again, I think, like I said, I think Michigan still wins comfortably, but I, I do think they kind of, they knock on the door a few times and then a couple times late to get to that number. So I'm going to say over, I'm going to take the under partly. So we don't agree across the board, but also I think, I think Maryland can have success and score on a few drives without necessarily getting to the red zone. Right. Because if, if they score from 30 yards out, 
that is technically not a red zone trip. Uh, if they kick a field goal from 25, that probably isn't a red zone trip. So I'm going to take the under. And I, I do think it, it it's fascinating because I think this, this preview, partly because it was so late in the season last year, it almost sounds like eerily familiar to last year and the preview that we did. Maybe this is just like the hunch, not speaking. I usually try to have a stat to back up what I say. But I feel like Maryland is often pitched as like this, uh-oh, explosive offense. How's Michigan going to handle it? And then they then they just do. I, you know, I think Michigan has felt for a month and a half that this year's defense could be better than last year's. Not necessarily have the star power of last year's, but they feel like the secondary is more athletic. They feel like the defensive line is deeper. And, and ma- mathematically, it's bigger. So I I'm going to take the under. It's it's interesting because I think Maryland has the talent to to really push Michigan in that regard, but I I just I guess they're they're one of those teams I have to see them really push Michigan to believe it because it seems like every year Michigan beats the spread against the Terrapins and not just beats the spread but like just runs it up against the against Maryland. So uh, maybe that adds motivation for the Terrapins, but I'm gonna take the under on that one. All right, finally, Steve, your final score prediction for this game and any additional thoughts on this matchup? Not a lot of, not a ton of thoughts. I, I do. I think, you know, I like kind of what you said last uh, with Mike, you know, Maryland fans being happy with what Mike Loxley's put together offensively. I, I agree, you know, and then some bad luck, you know, chop Robinson, one of the, I think one of the highly most highly ranked recruits Maryland's ever gotten then just transfers in conference to Penn state you know, could have really been a guy who would have been the focal point for them defensively. So, you know, a little bit of unluck there, you know, Loxley's never won a lot of games uh, period as a head coach, but I mean, it it does feel like Maryland's a team. If they're going to go in a positive direction, it's going to be, this is the season that's going to, I think sort of make or break that direction. So you got to think, and I mean, Michigan, you know, Michigan defending big 10 champions, they're going to have a target on their back every week, but uh, you know, I, th- I think Maryland, yeah, presents some challenges that Michigan hasn't seen yet and won't see again for at least a few weeks. So I think this is a, a really, this will be a very interesting game for Michigan on both sides of the football. I, I still think they win relatively handily. I'm going to say 42 to 20. I think Michigan wins. Uh, with relative ease, I think they jump out to a quick start, and I think they kind of cruise here. Average scoring margin between Michigan and Maryland under Jim Harbaugh, six games, 33.7. So, you know, and, and I will say they've often played Maryland in November when they've lost a couple of these receivers. Like Demas and and Deshaun Johnson did not play Michigan last season. Yeah, and, and you know, there was one year where I think they were down to like their fifth-string quarterback. So. I'll acknowledge that they are, you know, Maryland in September has often looked different than Maryland in November. But at the same time, I think, I think that this is a team that Michigan just has figured out. I think, I mean, don't forget George Hilo used to coach at Maryland before he went to Michigan. Josh Gaddis, no longer with Michigan, but he knew Mike Loxley. He and him worked together, had a lot of the same, a lot of the same playbook, really. So I think that there's, there's just a, there's something about Michigan. It, it, 
they've never had an issue with Maryland. They've had issues with Rutgers. They've had issues with Indiana. You have know, had issues with like the Purdue's even, even Illinois kind of gave them a little bit of a, of a pushback Northwestern. You know, some of the, some of the other teams that are in the bottom half of the big 10, normally Michigan has been up and down against, but Maryland, they've just never had an issue with. So maybe Maryland fans are going to like record this clip and play it to me on Sunday. But, but at the same time, I kind of have to see it to believe it from the Terrapins to, to believe that they can hang with Michigan because we talk about all the different offensive weapons. Michigan ha- might arguably has more and Jarrett's a five-star, but Michigan has a ton of NFL caliber athleticism at receiver, running back, tight end quarterback. So I think Michigan wins. I think they control the game. It's at, it's in Ann Arbor too. That doesn't, doesn't hurt. The one thing we haven't talked about too is, is Maryland major issue with penalties. They are the most penalized team in the country right now. And I think, and they've struggled with some missed tackles too. So I think that there's, I think they're a team that, especially on defense is still kind of figuring themselves out. And I think with the pressure on in a road game with a, with an offense that's, it's hard to prepare for. We'll see if Michigan's offense is a top 10 offense production wise, but in terms of scouting and preparing for all the different things Michigan can do, I think it's going to be, very difficult for Maryland to not to stay off of its heels in this game. So I'm going to go with Michigan 48, Maryland 24. So that's my score prediction. Steve, yours was pretty similar. So we're more or less on the same page. All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Be sure to check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you after the game.